Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen here. Pat McLean, thanks for joining us. Glad you are with us as myself and my co-host here both talk about financial matters, help you make some wise choices in with your finances and... Um, our goal is to help people become financially independent, not just so that they can be hedonists and self-centered the rest of their life, but so they can have more options in their yes. life, have less stress. Yeah, uh, financial security, if you will. Right. It's pretty tough to have security when you are struggling to figure out how to make your mortgage or your rent or the grocery bill. I've been there. Yeah, so anyway, we've got a good program. We've got some calls we'll take and love to hear from you as well. If you want to join us, you can always send us an email at questions at moneymatters.com. We'll get you scheduled to uh, take one of your calls. And it's uh, it uh, this last week, Pat, I noticed uh, Bitcoin hit 50,000 for the first time in a couple of years. Yes. <laughs> and I think in large part because there's some ETFs that have been created Yes. Where people can now own Bitcoin through an ETF, so you can just buy it on a brokerage account. Not all brokerages are allowing it, or providing it, I should say. The um, I read an article last week, which I found fascinating, um, which was this gentleman in Germany had been running this illegal website posting other people's movies and televisions, and this was back in 2012, 13, 14. And he had taken the proceeds and bought Bitcoin. Money laundering. He didn't well, know what else to do with it. <laughs> that's, yeah. I mean, that was original for the Silk Road was, you know, these digital currencies so you can move it around without government interference. Or so he thought. So he took his proceeds and he put it in this Bitcoin and the government, Germany, comes back and says, hey, by the way, you need to disgorge all that money you made. And he said, okay, but it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars now because he bought Bitcoin with it. And the government said, we don't care. We're just taking it. They took his Bitcoin or they, they took, took the... his Bitcoin. Oh, wow. So, so much for hiding it from the government. Well, my, well, so my son's a big poker player. He, he, I'm not saying that's a good thing or bad thing. He's, he's, he, he makes, yeah, he makes money. He views it as a second job. Okay. Whatever. Like it's, yeah, he's I love my son. How old is he? He's twenty six. He, he's he he gets really into something for a year or two, and then he moves on to something else. So this is what he's into right now. I my guess is five years. Either he'll be a professional poker player, or he'll barely play anymore. But um, he goes to the card houses and stuff and plays. But he also plays online, and I guess online he gets paid in Bitcoin often. So he's got an account of Bitcoin. Oh, and I don't know if it's because where he's doing it is not on legal in the I U.S. Have no or idea. Oh. And probably best not to ask. What, whether it's legal for him or not? Yeah, he's 26. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to. He's on his own. <laughs> my, my, my guess is that's not the first thing that was questionable whether it was legal <laughs> since he was been a teenager. I'm just thinking. Because <laughs> I was a teenage boy, young man at one time. <laughs> not speaking of anything like serious. So it gets the Bitcoin gets to 50,000. And you're starting to hear people kind of squawk about it again. It's just a look. And if someone wants to invest a tiny bit, I don't, speculate. I shouldn't call it invest. Speculate a tiny bit in it. I guess go for it. You yeah. can speculate on anything. You can. Yeah, corn futures if you'd like. Soybeans. Whatever you want, you can speculate on just about anything. Pork bellies. I mean, in Vegas, you can get gamble on it. You can speculate on who's going to be forming the halftime show at Super Bowl next year. Speaking of Vegas. I went this weekend. It's been on the calendar for, gosh, nine months. This past weekend? This past weekend. When Super Bowl Sunday was there. We were probably the only people leaving Vegas um, before the Super Bowl game. So we came in on Friday and we left Sunday way, morning. I find it absolutely fascinating how much people will spend to go to a Super Bowl game. Look, and if you've got the financial resources and it's not going to have any bearing on other parts of your life, Whatever, spend your money however you choose to spend your money. 
But I often wonder how many people are there that, one, just people really shouldn't be spending that kind of money. Or two, the kind of corporate influence, like are there people breaching their fiduciary responsibilities because they're getting wined and dined by some other company to steer business a certain way? Why else would corporations, yes. right? You know the answer to that. Yes, of course I know the answer to that. <laughs> so um, we it's been on the counter for uh, a friend of ours said, let's go uh, to the sphere and watch you two. That's it's, that new. Um, it's the round building yeah. that's. At the, By know, the way, we'll take some calls soon. We'll- and I've got it. I've got to say so. And I'm I watch football occasionally, uh, but I'm not a huge football fan. So but that place. I've been to Vegas, oh, I don't know, a dozen times, never more than two days. That's way too many. And, and I like the shows and I like the restaurants, but the gambling, I didn't wager one penny while I was there. Um, I find gambling actually quite boring and too risky, by the way. Um, but the sphere, you two in the sphere, Scott, I got to tell you, probably one of the top 10 just you know, experiences that I've ever... I've heard it's amazing. It is. It, and what's a typical ticket cost to go to see you two at the Sphere? Um, I actually, I'm embarrassed to say I had nothing to do Your with it. You, <laughs> you, you don't know. I had, it was some sort of package deal, two nights in a hotel. And uh, and then we went and watched um, Abstinence, which is kind of a... Anyway. That's disgusting. It was... Uh, we left early. Your, your wife sat through even 10 minutes of it? Abstinence. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. That's where it's super crass humor in this in the midst of uh, these beautiful performers that on the silks and stuff. So we it's kind it. of where Cirque du Soleil meets raw you know, trick. Yeah, total trash. Yeah, we we weren't aware of that because um, <laughs> I went with some friends and oh, you did and my son a couple of years ago and I uh, I probably I would have left. It was just with my son and myself with some other guy. and I just remember thinking this is the most disgusting crass humor. It, it, it was. The, I thought the venue was. And pretty I don't think cool. my wife would have lasted eight seconds. I, I thought the venue was pretty neat, but we did leave um, early. But I got to tell you, you two. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. That. You two. It's a sphere. You, you the guy spent two point three billion dollars to build this. This thing. I. I don't, they're going to have to fill it up for a long, long time to recoup that yeah, sort of investment. But it is. It was a marvel. Anyway. All right. We should take some calls. Yes. Because, uh, it is a financial show, but yeah. nice catching up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that everyone else had to listen to it. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, talk to Alan in California. Alan, you're with All What's Money Matters. Yeah. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, How Alan. Show? Yeah. Thank you. So um, my, my question, I want to try to ask it um, in a little bit more of a direct way, because I know it's such a broad question. I know you guys get it asked a lot, but that is, you know, ultimately how much is, how much do you need to retire at the end of the day? You know, when I remember when my dad retired, he's still with us. Uh, the million dollars was the, was the so-called magic amount. Um, but he retired and he retired with maybe 600,000. He's still with us and he's doing fine and goes to Hawaii every year and lives well, this, that, and the other. Um, but there are some other influences, right? He's got insurance through his wife, health insurance through his wife. So my question ultimately is, A, is there a magic number that is supposedly there for retirement? And do we need, you know, should I be, should I be um, investing in insurance for, you know, Alzheimer's or, you know, how do you insure or how do you, you know, how do you get to that level? You know what I'm saying? I think, yes, I think yes. a lot of people ask this yeah. question. Which, so. is, which is like, what, what risk do I insure against and what risks are not insurable? So let's start with the first one. So I'm going to tell you a story. When This was 20-some years ago as a financial advisor. And we did a lot of work with the um, retirees from the phone company. They would have these downsizing and use the pension plans to try to get people to leave the employment, essentially. So we help people kind of navigate it. And a lot of people, what they took advantage of this to take – a pension lump sum, and go and get another career, and they really set themselves up for retirement extremely well. But th- there's a gentleman came in. He says, yeah, I want to come in to see if I can retire. And I'm going through his numbers, his pension, his 401k. Uh, he owned no home. No, he, he owned nothing. Um, and his total retirement saving was like $240,000. And I said, uh, and Bill, how old? I said. How old? He was 
58, probably. Okay. He did have medical through his employment uh, yeah, in retirement. That's my age. But I'm 58. Okay. I said to him, I, I, I hate to say it, but this, there's no way you're going to be able to retire. Like, this is maybe going to provide 1000 bucks a month of, of income. He says, 1000 bucks. That's fantastic. I'm definitely retiring. And I said, <laughs> I said, how in the world are you going to survive on $1,000 a month? And he says, well... My brother's got a bunch of property on this river and there's a trailer. He says I can live in the trailer for free. Frankly, I don't like being around people very much. So just kind of living in a trailer all by myself sounds like the perfect life for me. And we never saw Ted Kaczynski again. <laughs> so, but, but, okay, so that's one extreme, right? Okay. But the point be there, the money going out is what actually determines the point of retirement. His lifestyle needs, he was an odd duck, obviously, there are people like that in the world, and you've probably driven around somewhere where you're like, you can live really inexpensively in that trailer in the middle of nowhere. Uh, for, and, and so there's others that they have a very high lifestyle wants and desires, and they need multiple millions in order to be able to afford to retire. Okay. Right. So, okay. so I'm going to direct you to a couple of resources. One is uh, our website, um, allworthfinancial.com, and we actually have the seven-step program that we use all kinds of and software. you can go through um you, you could either do a little assessment thing or you can do watch a the, know, the video video or something to- and and the idea being is what we try to do with people is continue the same standard of living that they were with working so the first thing you do in the seven step process and we power this with a number of different pieces of software but we found that the easiest way for people to understand their situation is in these seven steps right and the first step is what um what are my, my requirements for income now, right? What, what am I living on now? Yeah. What's actually coming through the checkbook and being spent. Right. And so how you do that is you, you take a look at your income, then you subtract what you're paying into social security, what you're paying into Medicare, what you're actually your paying your 401k, maybe some unemployment insurance. So all those, and then that gets you to a number, right? And then you look at it and you say, well, what expenses will continue in retirement? What will go away? So if your home mortgage goes away, then that's, you need less for retirement. If you're paying $3,000 right. a month. So the expenses and the other is taxes. What happens to my taxes in retirement? The other is investments. How should my portfolio be invested? Should it be more conservative, more aggressive? Do I have a pension? How close am I to social security? Right. The other right, is right, risk, right. risk management is what you brought up, which is, do I buy a long-term care policy or do I not? Do I buy longevity insurance? The next one is estate, and the third one is distribution. So what you're doing in the seven steps is you're starting with what I'm living on today, and on step number seven, you get to the final number that says, yes, I can maintain my same standard of living. And if you can't, then you've got a couple choices. Either change your standard of living. Or work longer. Or work longer. Or work longer, right, which more people are doing. So, so my company has... Uh, something similar on our 401k, which says, okay, how much money are you going to need or you think you need when you retire? And then based off of that, then I, yeah, that's just your 401k. Mine does the same thing. I go online and says your X percentage towards your goal, right? (laughs) 94% likelihood that I'm going to be able to, given where I'm at, um, I'm going to be able to retire. But my concern more is the unknowns. And my question uh, then would tie into, so what, you know, the, the health thing to me is the biggest fear. As right? it should be. When you get older, it, it, that's what I would think, right? How do you plan for that? Yeah. I mean, do you guys so, recommend yeah. Yeah, so, uh, those types 20, of insurances? 20 years ago, long-term care insurance was very popular. 20, 20, 20, you know, 20 to 30 years ago. Maybe the, the peak of people buying long-term care was about 20 years ago. It was quite common. The, the uh, insurance industry miss underwrote the policies so they did not factor in for increased lifestyle long longevity um all these different memory cares that were coming into play i mean low interest rate environment a low interest rate environment and so they realized that like holy crud we're losing a ton of money on these policies so number one many companies quit writing long-term care insurance and the ones that continued writing them jack their premiums up dramatically. So the amount of long-term care in per- insurance purchased today is less than 10% of what it was 20 years ago. And what ends up happening, a lot of people go to look at it, by the time they start pricing it, they're like, oh, like <laughs> it's gonna have such a dramatic impact on my, my lifestyle today 
that I can't really afford it. And those that can, right. can, can easily afford it can self-insure, frankly, right? So if you have okay. $10 million bucks, you're like, eh, you can self-insure for long-term care. Right. If you have nothing, right. you don't need it because the state's going to step up. But if you're a typical okay. middle-class retiree, that's where it can get kind of... This, and then you, and you could buy different forms of it. You could buy a long waiting period, which means it's not going to kick in for a year. And then you could buy limited benefit for like a five-year benefit. Or three years or, or two okay. years. Whatever the... My opinion on it, though, is like most people can afford... First of all, most stays in long... For most long-term care is not that long-term. A couple of years on average. Okay. okay. You, most people... But that's not the problem, right? Most houses don't burn down. <laughs> but right. if, if but the challenge is if you're one of those you've got a spouse that is requiring long-term care for five seven ten plus years that's where it can be really dramatic so if someone is going to buy long-term care insurance our recommendation is typically get a long waiting period because if it's a year or whatever you can self-insure that but get as long as long as benefit as you you can absolutely afford, and or purchase what's called an asset based long term care insurance policy, life insur which, which is a life insurance policy, which actually returns. You buy them in lump sums normally, and they actually say, okay, basically, if you put a hundred thousand dollars in here, we're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars worth of life insurance, and if you use that up, you will get nothing at your, your death. And they use the proceeds from that investment to help fund that long-term care pool. Um, okay. It's probably okay. not as good as a clean long-term care policy in many situations. It doesn't have as many bells and whistles, if you will. Yeah, but the, the, okay. the thing that works for insurance companies is the money that you, you, you pay into them, um, that's essentially if – they're that's, earning money on it. They're earning money on it, and then if you need care, that you use your money first, which is a long, which is a waiting period, yes. if you will. It's a you deductible. End up spending your money first. You spend your money I first, gotcha. um, and yeah, so I, that's a popular alternative today. Okay, because um, I know that in listening to you guys, it shows so many people. I think are asking you to be fortune tellers, right? Almost say, okay, here's what I have. Am I going to be fine in X amount of years? Well, yeah, I guess, right? And it goes back to your guys' point, which is certainly your debt, all those other issues are associated with it. But like I said, my bigger fear is, hey, we're living longer. Um, I don't want to necessarily, nothing that, not that there's anything wrong with it. I don't necessarily want to be a greeter at Walmart. I want to retire and be able to live and travel and do those things. And that's the big fear, which is, you know, insurance-wise yeah. and from a cost standpoint, Am I going to be able to? So just, we, we yeah. So it's interesting you say we're, we're asked to be uh, fortune tellers, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think really it's for us. It's it's about probabilities of outcome, right? There's okay. no 100 percent guarantee. Who knows what our government's going to look like 20 years from now, or what the dollar's going to be, or the world for that matter, right? And there's so there's certain unknowns that are are going to be kind of impossible to plan for. Right. Right. But. We can get to a point where we've got 95% confidence or 91% confidence or 83% confidence just through statistical analysis and, and through running a variety of different scenarios, including okay. things like your longevity, what happens if you, you live to 110, right? <laughs> right. It happens. Right. Those, <laughs> it does. Right, right. And, those are, you know, and I just want to – and, you know, on the point, then I, I think a lot of us that are at least my age and that are of the older age, we want to pass something on to our kids. There's all these different factors, and I just want to, like, do the best I can to ensure that I'm leaving something to my kids, wow. that I've got enough money, that at the end of the day, if i got to be put in a, you know, an old folks' home, my kids don't have to worry about me. I've got enough money to do that. Um, but I, like I said, I guess you just never know. Ultimately yep. for me, I'll have at 68, I should have 1.7 in my 401k, but I've got two properties that I'll own out flat, right? Which I'll have income from based off of my 401k and my number, which I said was $9,000 a month. They said 94% sure that I'll be there. It probably, it sounds right. And what's your debt look like when yeah. you retire, when you <laughs> right. retire? Um, when I retire, I should be debt free. Okay, that <laughs> should be. That goes <laughs> a long, long way. By the way, okay. For two and reasons. That, that's really the key. Okay. Two reasons. One 
is you let here's why we're a big fan of getting your home paid off. And look, I've read articles and why you, I can run financial calculators to state why it makes sense we should always have a mortgage. And if and if you have a mortgage today with three percent, frankly, don't pay it off. But here's there's two reasons why it, it's helpful to have a mortgage paid off in retirement. Number one, that's less money you need coming in. Money not going out is the same as money coming in. But there's a second factor, and don't discount this either. It's one's risk tolerance is different when the home is paid for. So if we look back to the financial crisis, we've been doing this a long time. So the financial crisis, those who are retired that have their, had their homes paid off and their outflow is relatively small and frankly, almost all variable and That's discretionary. Correct. It was discretionary. They, they were able to ride the financial crisis much better and they weren't the ones who said, oh my gosh, get me reduced, get my, sell all my stocks because the stock market's going to zero. I watched saw Fox Business last night, said the stock market's going to, right? Because right. they, they, they knew that they can withstand things a little different. And those that had large mortgage balances, even if they had the right kind of financial plan, like we typically plan so people can go multiple years of expenditures without having to touch any things that fluctuate in value so they're not forced to sell when things are low. But even those people, many of them, it, they were just too spooked because they knew, like, I've got to come up with three grand a month to make that mortgage payment or whatever the number. So the psychology of debt can be overbearing in a volatile market. When you're not working. When you're not working. <laughs> gotcha. Right. Well, guys, thanks so much, man. You guys, And I'll, I'll check out the website. But, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's still, I don't know that, you know, if I've gathered anything, it is, um, it's not a perfect science. Do the very best you can. And then, um, you know. Look, uh, so years ago, we used to, I pre- we appreciate the call, Alan. Years ago, we used to um, do financial plans. We'd print these things out, these big binders. And some of you listening might have had that either from us or from some, some other financial, like a printed financial plan. But you knew at the moment it was coming off the printer, it was going to be slightly inaccurate because you make these assumptions about the future and about life and everything else, and it's never quite comes out. Like the stock market doesn't go up a certain percent every day, right? It very fluctuates. And so today, financial planning has evolved to it's it's much more um, ongoing. And now we use software programs. We do, it gets updated frequently and what if scenarios. And the reality is as we move from today to the future, whether we're still working or retired, we have to make adjustments with what is thrown at us. That's just, that's the way it works. Things will Change and we have to be ready to adapt yeah, and it, adopt. And so I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago uh, about Ecuador and it made me think, wow, what a change for the Americans that moved to Ecuador. And five years ago, this was a hot spot for Americans to go to retire. You can buy a place really cheap near the beach, yeah, right. medical care, well, yes. low cost of living, safe, great fruits and vegetables being on the equator. My son, uh, my oldest son, studied there for six months in Quito in a small town outside. We, I went to visit him there. He brought me to, they called it Gringoville. And it was... Like an American community. It was, you couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> Just like the tract homes that they roll out on the... You couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> but they're moving now because of the crime. So these people had all this great retirement based upon this particular place... And a standard of living. I, I, well, I'm sure you wouldn't send your son and call oh. his son to Ecuador today. No. Yeah, things change. Things change. All right, let's continue on with some calls here. You're listening to All Worth Money Matters. Uh, we're talking with Cecil. Cecil, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. Thank uh, you for taking right. my call. Yes, thanks for calling. Did we? Did I pronounce your name correctly? It's Cecile. Actually. Cecile. Oh, Cecile. I'm okay. trying to read the phonics yeah. of <laughs> our producer. I'm like, what is that? Cecile. Okay. Cecile. Oh, Easy I'm enough. Used to it. It's okay. <laughs> it was it was made famous so, by that song in the in the seventies. Oh, oh, that's oh, Cecilia. Yeah. Cecilia. Yeah. Breaking my heart. Yes. Yeah. Taking my heart. <laughs> okay. Baby. Thank you. Right, please. Many times, please. That's been okay. sung to me at Girl Scout camp. Yeah. <laughs> Throwback. Um, I've got a two part question for you all, and. This is a scenario where I've actually been hearing it asked pretty recently a couple of times. It's about the um, in-plan Roth conversion. Yep. Yes. So two-part, who is it right for? And then selfishly, is it right for me? Well, they um, shouldn't think so well, selfishly. You are responsible <laughs> for your own life. So you're... <laughs> exactly. So we, 
we got a presentation about a week or two ago in, at my employer, and I listened to it. They didn't articulate it that well. Um, so I thought, hey, let me, let me reach out to Scott and Pat. They could help me with this. Yeah. So this kind of plan, who is it right for? Yeah, let's step back and kind of explain for someone else listening that might not know what we're talking about. 401k contributions, we have contribution limits. So as an employee, we can only contribute 20, do you remember the number? Yeah, 26, is it? Okay. $23,000. $23, $23, if you're over 50, it's $30,500. That's how much you can contribute to your 401k in 2024, right? So somewhere between 23 or 50 grand, depending upon your age. But the, the retirement plans as a whole, you can contribute a much higher amount. You can contribute actually about 70,000 a year uh, in a, let's say a profit sharing plan or so what a what these kind of super, super Roth conversions, after-tax conversions do... And by the way, this is typically only available in large companies at this point in time. And a minority, but it's becoming more popular. Yes, at this point in time. And it'll probably shut down at some point in the future because it's a pretty nice loophole. So what this enables people to do is to contribute beyond those limits, beyond the 23000 but rather than getting the tax deduction, it goes into what's called an after-tax 401k. Now... By in and of itself, we're not big fans of after-tax 401ks or after-tax Roth contributions because you don't get a tax deduction, gross tax deferred, but you're taxed on all the money, all the earnings that you pull out. It's not like a Roth. However, a lot of companies now are enabling people to do one of two things. One is on an annual basis, yank out those after-tax contributions they made and then put it into a Roth somewhere, convert or, it to a Roth. And because... Because you didn't take a tax deduction, you're able to um, you're able to contribute to a Roth, convert it to a Roth without any tax implications, and it grows tax free, and it comes out tax free as a Roth. And now some employers are saying, "Hey, rather than having to go to the hassle of taking the money out and going and investing somewhere, we'll enable you just to put it into the Roth 401k here at your employer." And sometimes I saw one where they do the sweep the day it hits the after tax. So that it's almost it's which is why you expect that this thing's going to get shut well, down. Of there's <laughs> limits. This wasn't the intention of people to contribute so, 69 grand a year. So the assumption is that you're doing the maximum uh, pre-tax or Roth 401k contributions at this point in time. Oh, is yeah. that correct? I max out everything. Okay. Well, then this is perfect well, what, for well, you. What's your what's your income? Um, it's about 170. And do you have, uh, do you, right now you're maxing out, do you spend everything that, that comes home in your paycheck or are you still saving oh, elsewhere? No, no, I'm still saving elsewhere. This um, is perfect. Okay. It's, so, it's, well, it's so, beyond perfect. It's well, like, what do you have? Do you have much in the way of after tax savings, a brokerage account or that sort of thing or cash yeah, in the bank? So what I do is I'm not, I'm no longer able to initially contribute to the Roth IRA, right? Yeah, so I yeah. do. I max out my 401k. I max out a traditional IRA. I max out my HSA. And then I'm frugal. Um, I haven't let lifestyle creep um, come on me. So also every month I throw some in a brokerage. How old are you? 35. You're how old? 35. 35. How much do you have saved? I've got about 220 in investments, and that's between the various like retirement accounts and brokerage. And do you find that you're living the standard living you want to live? Oh, yeah. I That absolutely is just a perfect thing for you. I, yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry. You, you, so you do everything you want to do? Yeah, I do everything I want to do. Um, like I said, I haven't let lifestyle creep come, you know, affect me. So I'm used to living on less, and I just... When I've made so right more, now I you're contributing you're contributing to an IRA but not receiving a tax deduction. Is that correct? And you, but you're converting it to a Roth, correct? I haven't started Roth conversions yet. This will be my first year that I haven't been eligible for the uh, Roth IRA. So okay. I will probably start this. Year. And what do you have in, as far as other IRAs? How much do you have? In, do you have other IRAs that you've contributed to in the past? Yeah. Not Roth, so, but just regular IRAs. Yes, I do have um, about. Sixty-two thousand in a rollover IRA. Okay, so that 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 brings up something that when you do the conversion, it's on a pro rata basis. 
So what you want to do is take that $62,000 in an IRA. Transfer it to your current 401k. And transfer it into your 401k. If, oh. To maximize this. Yeah. Yes. Which I would consider if I were in your, your shoes here. Right. And Assuming you had a good 401k. Yeah. And see, because oh, what happens if you put money in a non-qualified IRA. A non-deductible IRA. A non-deductible IRA. And then convert it to a Roth IRA. That portion is, um, it's pro rata, which means you might put $5,000 in and go to, to do it, but you're going to end up paying a lot in taxes. Because they can look at the other 62000 you've got. In sitting. the IRA. And they oh. say- Right. So I, this is, you know, this, it's so crazy that we have this system, <laughs> but it is the system we have. It is just, it, 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 it's just crazy. It's like, we've complicated this. I'm going through this right now with my uh, daughter who's in law school. She's 20, how old is Colleen? 26, maybe I should know this. Um, and we tried to convert her 401k to a Roth IRA. And they said, you absolutely cannot do that. It has to go into an IRA. And I said, don't worry about it. We'll just convert it to a Roth IRA once it gets there. And then they sent it over to a Roth IRA (laughs) after they did it all. So what you want to do is you And you're in the business. Oh yeah. Fortune. (laughs) I thought to myself, I'm glad I I In all fairness, you're not uh, administrative type in the business. So you personally haven't completed a form or whatever that <laughs> mechanics personally probably in three decades uh that's probably a good okay, that's yeah. probably a fair statement so you you want to do two things one is you want to do the after-tax conversion to a roth ira and that mm-hmm. non uh deductible ira now you want to take that sixty two thousand dollars that you actually have in your ira from the rollover and move it back into your company's 401k plan you can do that? Yes. I yeah. Know, that's an option. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes. And then that and then, way. Then you have no IRA. So when you make a, a non-deductible contribution to an IRA. And you very next day convert it to a Roth IRA, there's no tax implications I, on it. I did this last, last. So I sent a note to a person within our organization said, hey, I would like to make a contribution for 2023 and a contribution for 2024 into a uh, an IRA. And I'd like to, uh, as soon as that happens, I want to convert that to a, a uh, Roth IRA. Just, I did that for myself. I did, I did it three well, weeks let ago. Let me complicate this then, because <laughs> I had already, I, I do have a traditional IRA that I started um, contributing to at the beginning of the year for the 2024 tax year. And I'm the kind of person, I don't let it sit in the IRA. The moment I put it in there, I'll invest it. So yeah, that's fine. how does that affect but It doesn't, uh, you haven't converted that to a Roth IRA yet for 2024, correct? I haven't. No. And I wouldn't, conv- so assuming you like the concepts we're going here, I wouldn't convert that until I took that $62,000 of the other IRA and, and transferred it to my employer. Right. The minute that 62000 so the only IRA you want is that non-deductible IRA that you contributed to. Take the sixty-two grand, move it to your employer. That non-deductible IRA, the very next day, the very next day, convert it to a Roth IRA. So well, she that, contributes on a you contribute on a monthly basis. Uh, pretty much. Yeah, I'll split it evenly throughout the year. Yeah. Well, you've got money in yeah. a brokerage account, do you not? I do. You're making life harder on <laughs> yourself than I it really I is. I know. Well, <laughs> so I do it. So like, just a, like here's how I do it. I wait until spring. Every and I do it every other year. That's, so come springtime between January first and April fifteenth, I guess it's still winter. <laughs> January first and April fifteenth, I'll make a contribution for the prior year and the current year. Exactly. Okay. Because look, one can make an argument. Well, Scott, if you can start at the January first of the prior year, you'd have those dollars. But it's not. It's well, one could it's make the argument that if I exercise for an hour a day, I'd be in better health too. <laughs> it's so negligible the the increase you'd have compared to the additional work. Yes, I so, know. So you. So I guess then it doesn't complicate it. The fact that I've already invested like the no, no not at all. Twelve hundred. No, paid. no, 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 not no, really. no, not at all, not at all. And just okay. do it once. Just do it once. Or like us, okay. we do it every other year. Okay. And that way, I'm making okay. two contributions. I made my contribution for 23 and 24. Like six weeks ago. Oh, you did. Same thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. But it, I but I, I but in all fairness, I am married to an accountant, so that helps. Oh, that helps. So <laughs> on January second, she put a little thing. We did. <laughs> so I guess I'll um I'll get that 
um, rollover IRA put back in the 401k, and then That's right. you said wait a day or so, and then I can convert the traditional IRA over to a Roth. That's right. Make the full year's contribution, then convert it to a Roth. Because what's going to happen at the end of the year, because retirement accounts report both to you and to the IRS how much you have in retirement accounts. So mm-hmm. in last year, maybe you've gotten, haven't had the form yet, or you will be receiving it soon. It says, for your IRA at such and such financial institution, here's the value. Here's what was contributed throughout the year. Here what was withdrawn. And then if you've made non-deductible contributions, frankly, it's up, up to you to keep track of those. Um, but so for 2024, if you move this to the 401k, you're not going to, you're going to finish the year with $0 in traditional IRAs, which is going to enable you to make that after-tax contribution and subsequently convert to a Roth without any tax implications. So the one that I will convert to the Roth, the, let's say the twelve hundred dollars. Should I liquidate that first, or no, just call no. and say I'm converting? It all doesn't the matter. It's it, a negative. It makes, it's it's it makes no difference. Yeah. Because there's if no. If it's f- grown, it's going to be a few. Yeah, dollars. yeah, it, and it doesn't Actually, matter. It doesn't matter because because there's no friction. It used to matter when there was fifty dollars a trade. You'd want to go in kind. Well, she can mm-hmm. go just go in kind anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. If it grows it, to a hundred thousand, it just it's not going to matter. Yeah. Or if it falls to two dollars, it's not it's it's not gonna have any impact on your taxes. Yes. Assuming you okay. do it after you transfer those other dollars. Oh yeah, that's gonna be my first thing after this call. All right, perfect. <laughs> but then I gotta at some point, like if you're making one seventy and you're already now you're talking about saving about seventy some thousand a year. Right. You, that's a lot of you, savings relative to your income. Yes. But if, it it makes, if that's what you want to do, it makes you feel good. Yeah. And maybe, you know, look, maybe you're at a point in your career where things are going great and no one knows what happens tomorrow. And you're thinking, hey, well, I've got it coming in. Let's store some up for the future. So that's true. Yeah. Are you one of these fire people? You know, financial independence, retire early. I don't I don't think so. I don't don't know. Well, here's my story is like within the past three years, my my income has doubled. I think it's doubled. Yeah. And when I bought my home, I was making like my old salary. So everything else is just, you know, gravy, icing on the cake or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm used to making less, I guess. I'm not per- a person that goes out and spends a lot. Yeah. Um, and you have no desire to go spend it. Yeah. yeah. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. yeah. Whatever there makes you, you happy. <laughs> All right, guys. I right, appreciate so it. Right. This was really helpful. Oh, well, good. You. Glad you called. She was always So you, she, was she used that term icing on the cake and gravy. I was in the South on his bicycle ride. I have a feeling she's worked hard in her career, and it wasn't just <laughs> icing on the cake, the extra pay. Well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I was uh, on this bicycle ride. We were somewhere in Tennessee or Mississippi or whatever. We were in this cafe, and they had chocolate gravy. So I thought when she said icing on the cake and gravy, I thought it reminded me of eating this chocolate gravy on biscuits. Are you implying that the South has their eating habits aren't quite that healthy? It was disgusting. <laughs> it was terrible. Chocolate on biscuits? Yeah, and they called it chocolate gravy, and they were serving it for breakfast. I thought, I, I've got... For breakfast? I've got to try this. So it, I, it wasn't just like natural cocoa that wasn't all pumped up with sugar, my guess. It was terrible. All right. So, well, let's... Um, Actually, we're going to Tennessee now and talking to Wendy, who you just offended greatly. Wendy, welcome to All Worth Money Matters. Hello. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Uh, I guess you want me to jump in? Yeah, with well, yeah. Fire away. either that or we can talk about uh, chocolate, chocolate gravy. gravy. Have you biscuits? ever had the yeah, chocolate gravy? Really want, no, no, never had chocolate gravy. Okay. Just had some chocolate covered uh, How about a hash browns fruit. at dinner? Okay, what? Tennessee, a lot of, a lot of, seems like a lot of uh, hash, hash brown type potatoes. Already. Anyway, anyway, what can we do for you? Okay. Um, I'm an only child and have received um, um, some funds uh, with the passing of my parents. Sorry about um, that. This is, you got to, thank you. You have to talk to me like I know zero because I know zero. <laughs> um, we've always lived um, just thrift store shopping, that kind of thing, stay at home, mom, one income. And uh, now I've got all these things and I'm too scared to do anything with them. So the rundown is uh, my dad's retirement, which will be coming out of an annuity. And I've been told that I have to take, um, take uh, payments over the next 10 years. That's correct. 
Um, and then I have. What What was your parents' to, total assets? Oh, if. 500,000, a million, two million, a hundred million. Real estate, land, and money in return. Yeah, everything. Everything. About a million. Okay. Okay. Which that makes me very emotional and kind of turns my stomach. <laughs> That's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I've got to take, I got to do something with his retirement, and then um, liquid cash. Uh, I can, I can pull together 105. I've got a house. Um, probably would sell just under 400. Um, and then, well, the land. I'm not getting rid of. I want, I want to keep the land. Um, and then I have no debt. You have no debt. None. And how old are you and your spouse? I'm 49. He's 47. And children? Uh, yes, my oldest just received his associates. He's 20. Um, he's moved out. Well, actually, I'm actually renting the house to him. So that will cover the um, property taxes and insurance and stuff. Um, and then I have a younger son who will be in his senior year of high school uh, in the fall. And we've never been one to have a account for college or anything. We always told them they are on their own, we'll help however we can. So we expect our younger son will have um, a combination of a sports and academic scholarship. Oh, wow. And what's the family income? It is solely from me now, um, and I'm self-employed. So that can vary very largely, um, but last year's gross was around eighty. And did you have much in business expenses? Yeah, I, I pretty much count. Uh, you know, my income would have been like one sixty, and then half of that is expenses. Got it. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. your income. What's your spouse's income? Um. Under twenty. Okay. Okay. So hundred thousand. This, if you do this right, this will set you up for a very, very comfortable retirement. Yeah, I'm just scared to make decisions. I understand and, yeah. that. that. That's prudent. That's smart. <laughs> and I want to be a good steward. Number one and two, I want to see it grow. I don't want to just go spend. That's I mean, right. We have some some borderline need want, um, especially with my business. I'm having to see clients in my small home. I would much rather own my own office um, and have that separate. So that's one thing that that's really the only big thing that I would, that would like to change. But other than that, you can, you can rent a place that you can meet with your clients, correct? I could, I don't like the idea of renting. Okay. Um, well, it's it, it whether you like it or not, it just comes down to an economic reality of whether it is good to either rent or and or own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you bought an office building, odds are you'd have more space than you needed, and then you'd be looking to sublet part of the space. Would be my guess. Yeah, um, but I could also buy a small home. That's that's okay. I'm a midwife, so it doesn't have to be oh. you know, like that commercial. Oh, got got it. Of, a, of an office. Yeah. I mean, right now you so you have so many different options. You, you just you could go through the list. I, I, I'm I thinking know. of I need somebody uh, to hold my hand. I know. Yeah. To yeah. You you absolutely need someone to hold your hand. You could go through. You could set up a defined benefit pension plan. You could do a, a simplified employee pension plan. You could do a self-employed four hundred one k. The biggest thing, though, <laughs> is for you to get some clarity yeah. on what you would like this, these dollars to do for you. So you mentioned one thing is having a, and that might be a brilliant move, might be the best move, the number one move, or may not, depending on what those other goals and objectives. And I know there's also part of it, you feel a little weird about it, like this is mom and dad's money and I know how hard they worked mm-hmm. and how much mm-hmm. they scrimped and saved. And How long has it been since your parents passed? My dad... This is, you know, really all my dad's, um, and he passed away in um, 2018, um, and my mom was um, confined to a wheelchair and went to care of her, um, and she just passed away in October. Okay, yeah. and the reason the reason I ask those questions is because oftentimes there's a mourning period where we suggest clients just don't do anything, don't do anything for a while. <laughs> oh yeah, there's let- a whole backstory to that with my dad's. Um, retirement. That's exactly what we said. Everybody said, don't make any decisions. I was trying to coach my mom not to make any decisions. 
um, and the people who actually had my dad's money in an annuity um, went to her in the hospital and had her re-put it into another annuity mm. um, without my permission. Oh, my so, gosh. That, yeah. so, so when people hear us talk about uh, uh, there are places for annuities, the world would probably be a better place if they were never invented because of yeah. stuff just like that. What, what, yeah. what, what comes to mind there is cockroaches um, when yeah. you said that. Um, yeah, yeah so, it makes me really sick. <laughs> let's just visit this house for a minute. You said that okay. you're this $400,000 home you are renting to your child. Yeah, my son and his and his friends, they are paying diligently and um, taking care of it diligently. So I'm, I'm good there. It's uh, at least it's, you know, generating a little bit of income because the biggest thing was I had nowhere to put all the stuff in it. Um, a lot of the stuff in it was actually mine. <laughs> okay. Um, and I have nowhere to put it. So, so I, 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 it's not enough that this is just covering his expenses. Okay. It, it's is just this, not enough. It's, it, 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 this is, that I mean, is for not, a season, it might be fine. That's right. But that mm-hmm. is not a financial decision that you're making there. It's an emotional one. Mm-hmm. Or one, do you want yeah, to help I your child, something. your child? You just need yeah, to I mean, understand the cost. Yeah. Fair enough, Scott. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Which is, so if you're sitting down with a financial advisor, if you were sitting down with me or any of their, our advisors from our firm, we would say, okay, these are the six things you can do. And by the way, you know, let's, here's all the impact. Yeah. And let's look at it 10 years from now. Let's say you want to retire at 60. This is where the probability of outcome is high, that it's going to be at this level and will provide this kind of income for you. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I'd focus on that house because there's a million dollars there and 400,000, 40% of it is tied up in an asset that quite frankly, mm-hmm. you received a step up in basis. So there's no tax implications in selling it. But if you're going to keep it, then you've got to decide whether you want it to produce income or you want your son and his friends. It's equivalent of you giving one of your child children more money than the other, quite frankly, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I personally don't have any problem with, but some people do. That's <laughs> right. Some people it's to the penny, man. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and, I know that's, that's not a big okay. deal. It's, it's just really helpful for me um, that it's, that, something's happening with it right now and it's not, it's kind of off my shoulders. Okay. So um, that's where it's helpful, but I do want to sell it. I do. Oh, I do thank know you. That, um, Cause we've talked around it being my office or, um, you know, fixing up and living there since the larger space, but I do you want to do that? Have a lot, no, I don't have a lot of good memories there. It yeah, is my okay. childhood home. Right. And so the, the emotional aspect is yep, I'm I get happy it. to sell it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Best for it. Yes. Yes, I understand. I drive by my childhood home occasionally. <laughs> I don't want to move into it though. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, you need to sit down with a qualified advisor. A good advice. Mm-hmm. So this would like, and not someone who's a nudie salesman, like a certified financial planner, someone who can take the time with you and maybe you and your husband and like, what is it? Because th- this can really set you up financially. Like, your I might guess is your entire marriage. You guys, you said you've been going to thrift stores. You guys have been scrimping and saving, being really careful with the dollars go, raising these kids, figuring out how to get their clothes and get their sports and all mm-hmm. that other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And now the, they're just about launched. <laughs> and yeah. now you've got a, a pretty good-sized financial windfall that can mm-hmm. really set you guys up well. And the mere fact that you have no debt tells us that you've got great discipline. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 that was, that's number one, our whole life is I wanted to be, and I did that from a teenager. I was given a credit card. So I went into the marriage with a lot of debt and then oh. kids come and it's like, okay, no, I, I don't want this. This is not happening anymore. Well, much so, better to learn at a young and, age than at this yeah. age. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we paid, paid off, paid off, paid off. Um, we're debt free for a few years and then we bought our house. Uh, an amazing godsend deal. I mean, equity as soon as we moved in. Um, and so I've really chipped away at that. And then when my mom passed away, I did use a small chunk of that and paid off the house. Perfect. Beautiful. That. Beautiful. So. Yeah. Yeah. You need, Do you, you need know, a 10 year plan sounds, with a financial advisor. But it sounds to me like you're being really wise about this. You haven't done any major moves. You're seeking out counsel. You're calling this program. You want to do the right thing. 
And so I would like I think one takeaway when just feel good about that and feel comfortable with that because you're not in a rush. You don't need to be. And this mm-hmm. by those steps you're taking, this, this will make your life better, not worse. Yeah, I, I'm just too scared to make a choice or a decision to you, what to do. At <laughs> some point in time, you're going to have to sit down with a qualified advisor who is not a mm-hmm. salesperson that gives you alternatives. Maybe you pay an hourly fee or fee for financial planning. Or you pay an asset management fee, but it's all predicated on a fee, not a commission. Because mm-hmm. that the reason that person went to the hospital when your mother was commission. there was to generate mm-hmm. a commission. And you mm-hmm. saw it. Mm-hmm. You saw it, but the, they, they come in, they're dressed in a nice suit. They're really super nice. Um, <laughs> right. And it may not be that that's all they know, right? Yeah. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So um, you, you're, you, you, yeah. A, a good financial advisor, Wendy, you can sit down and go through all these different scenarios. Okay. If I bought like maybe, maybe buying a, uh, a place for your work is the perfect solution for you. My guess is you get a lot of satisfaction out of your work. Yeah, that's the other thing that, that, that people keep asking me about, you know, planning for retirement. And, you know, I really, I love what I do. I mean, it's Yeah, well, then, right. So why not? I don't know about the retirement so, part. so maybe these dollars, the best use of these dollars is setting Wendy up in such a manner that she can thrive. Travel. 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 Okay, <laughs> we said drive, <laughs> but close enough. It's all those things, Wendy. It's all those things of your priorities. It's it's listing them out, sitting down. Here's your my wants and my dreams and my hopes and my needs, and uh-huh. and then a fin- good financial advisor can put together a variety of different scenarios. It's like, okay, if we do this, here's the impact it's going to have here. If we do this, here's the impact it's going to have there. And so you you can make a, an informed decision as opposed to just mm-hmm. going something off, off, off your gut. So I uh, really appreciate the call. Um, and, um, again, I, I think you should feel good about where you are here. You're being prudent. You didn't go out. I had one client literally like two days after, uh, he received inheritance, went out and bought a brand new Lincoln, top of line Lincoln. And, um, it was just so bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right, we're out of time. It's been great being here with you. And um, if you haven't been to our website in a while, Pat mentioned it earlier, allworthfinancial.com. Lots of great education stuff on there. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence. 